This is Rainmaker FM, the digital marketing podcast network. It's built on the Rainmaker platform, which empowers you to build your own digital marketing and sales platform. Start your free 14-day trial at rainmaker.fm slash platform. That's rainmaker.fm slash platform. Greetings, super friends. My name is Sonia Simone, and these are the confessions of a pink-haired marketer. For those of you who don't know me yet, I am a co-founder and the chief content officer for Rainmaker Digital. I'm also a champion of running your business and your life according to your own rules. As long as you don't lie and you don't hurt people, this podcast is your official pink permission slip to run your business or your career exactly the way you think you should. And as always, if you would like to pick up some extra resources, extra free stuff, and just additional goodies and a text version of this podcast, you can always find those at pinkhairedmarketer.fm, as well as a complete archive of the show. So one of those questions that comes up a lot, along with things like how long should my blog posts be and how often should I publish my content is, is it okay if I swear on my blog. So you may have noticed I don't swear on this podcast, and that is because my wonderful team informs me that iTunes is not a fan of that when we swear on our podcasts, and it doesn't get the same distribution, and I would like um, as many people as possible to find this podcast. Once again, you know, it's one of those rules of thumb of digital sharecropping. So if I'm going to leverage iTunes to reach a wider audience, then I also have to follow their rules. Fair enough. So this question comes up from time to time over on the Copyblogger blog, and we had a particularly memorable incident with it, and um, it it comes up, this specific incident comes up occasionally, um, where we had a very well-known copywriter and a very well-known teacher of copywriting, writer of you know, I don't even know how many books on copywriting, whose name is Bob Bly. And he was very unhappy with us about a post that we ran by a terrific writer named Joanna Weeb, and she used the term mofo in her bio. By that way, that post was epic. Um, It's called Six Proven Ways to Boost the Conversion Rates of Your Call to Action Buttons. You know, it's super nerdy. It's super detailed. Um, It's really readable. It has tons of um, really well-researched information and analysis, which is, you know, one of the many things that Joanna is so good at. So as it happens, the offending term is not on the post anymore. Um, Author bios get updated as, you know, different things uh, and different situations evolve with the writers. But at the time, the quote that was in um, controversy was this, where startups and marketers learn to convert like mofos. So she had that in her bio for the post. So just to give some context, this was not something that... um, on the editorial team, a copy blogger, we found any reason to discuss before we published. It wasn't particularly controversial. We didn't feel it was controversial then, and uh, we don't happen to think it's controversial now. But Bob um, felt differently about it, you know, and he's a very, very smart marketer, very smart copywriter, has a ton of experience, and he f- really believed that this word cheapened the content. And one of the comments he left on it was, 
If it might offend even one in a hundred, why risk it when you can say the same idea without the profanity? So he felt extremely strongly that there are standards, you know, of public discourse. And one of the standards that we have is that we don't swear when we're writing about business. Uh, In fact, he wrote a whole post on this topic because it was, um, you know, it was a bit of a dust up at the time. And I'm going to give you a quote from his post about it so that I can give you his words to talk about his point of view on it. Here's Bob. I contend that in articles published online and offline on business topics, it is completely unnecessary and people do it primarily to look cool and hip to their counterparts. And that it, of course, would be um, swearing. Back to Bob. But by doing so, they turn off a large segment of their readership, me included, mostly the 50 and over crowd. If you are a marketer, I would warn you not to alienate oldsters, as we control most of the money in the United States. A survey reported on the Joshua Kennan website found that households where the head was age 35 and younger had a median net worth of only $65,000. By comparison, households where the head was 55 to 64 years old had a median net worth of $880,000, nearly 14 times richer. So that is a quote from Bob Bly um, over on his blog. So his economic argument is probably the first thing we should take a look at if we're making this decision. Am I going to use any kind of swearing or, um, you know, language that might put some people off in my content? And this could be your blog. It could also, of course, be your YouTube videos or your podcast, what have you. So the first thing I'll say to this um, is I think that the demographic, um, I'm not convinced by any means that the demographic of people 50 years or older, and I am now in that range because I turned 50 this year, um, has a problem with the word mofo. I'm not convinced. I'm just not convinced. Now, would they have a problem with stronger profanity? I think that it's in increasingly becoming clear, uh, thanks to companies like Amazon, thanks to companies like Netflix, that have these amazing technologies where they use the people who liked this also liked that kind of functionality. I think that's a wiser way to segment an audience than by strict demographic considerations. You know, demographics would be Age, gender, race, income, those kind of things. The kinds of things you can buy direct mail lists of. Um, I'm increasingly uh, swayed that what we want to look at are psychographics. Things like values, um, the kinds of things you like, the kinds of television shows you like, or products that you buy regularly, or websites that you read all the time, or... Facebook groups that you follow. So increasingly, I think audiences are segmenting by values and by interests rather than by those um, previously commonly used demographic um, markers. Bob, interestingly enough, if Wikipedia is telling me the truth, was born in 1957, so he was born nine years before I was, in New Jersey. And I have to say, some of the most impressive cursors I have ever known are from New Jersey, so um, I just thought that was kind of interesting. 
I know a lot of folks, and you probably do as well, who are somewhere in the 50 years and older range, um, who are totally comfortable with curse words. And I also know a fair number of young people who do not curse and don't care for it at all. So I don't think it's an age thing. I think it's um, it's a psychographic thing. You know, some people are comfortable with it, and some people are not. And I think that, um, I think that age may be um, something of a something of a misleading path there. Just incidentally, I have to give some side eye to that statistic. I I would be shocked if the median age, or no, sorry, the median net worth of households in the U.S. Uh, where the head of households 55 to 64 is really $880,000. That sounds suspicious to me, but I'm not sure. I haven't looked into the statistic. Maybe it's legit. I'm not sure. Net worth, of course, is also going to include things like retirement accounts and maybe a home, you know, that you've been paying a mortgage on for 30 years. So not saying it's impossible, but um, I would definitely want to look into that more before I took it as gospel. So, Let's get back to this question that he had about turning your audience away. You know, that idea that if one person in a hundred is offended, then why risk it? So a quick tangent that I think some of you may have some interest in. Um, before I started full-time with Copyblogger, I had a blog, a personal blog to support my writing business, and it was called Remarkable Communication. And as soon as I started really pouring my energy into Copyblogger, um, my production over at Remarkable Communication went to like zero. Um, so I am finally, finally, finally getting that site onto Rainmaker because this podcast is going to be hosted on that site. Um, you know, as soon as we get everything kind of uh, moved over, especially on iTunes. And I feel like such a dope for not doing this before because, um, you know, the site before the design was good. It was, um, I was using our prose theme from Studio Press. I was, you know, I felt like it was a good site design. I love the new design. I mean, I am just lying down on the ground, like weeping. I'm so happy about it. So, um, plus there's all this cool stuff and it includes email and it includes, uh, a private like library that I can put stuff for you guys. I'm so jazzed. So, and, um, you know, the actual migration of getting the site just migrated over to a test site. I'm not even kidding you. It was 20 minutes. Seriously. The, the longest part of the process was I had to find a bunch of old login information. So, um, I'm sprucing up the sidebar bars. I've got a, you know, get the about page, um, go into the right place, stuff like that. And as soon as that's up and running, I'm going to be tweeting about it like a crazy person and I will let you know. So, um, if you do happen to follow me on Twitter at Sonia Simone, I, I will be quite tedious on the subject as soon as it's up. I'm really excited. It looks so cool. All right. End of digression. The reason that I bring it up is that I ran across a post that I wrote about a soap company, which is called Nancy Boy. So Nancy Boy um, is a, a content marketer that I adore and have adored for a long time, and they break so many rules for content. You know, their content is long, it's, um, it's wordy, it's kind of insane, it uses words people have to look up. Um, it's really an acquired taste, and a lot of people don't care for it. And maybe, you know, most people don't care for it. 
but the people who like it crave it. You know, it's kind of like, I made the analogy on the blog, it's kind of like stinky goat cheese. Like, you love it or you hate it. So the tone is one thing, the formatting is one thing, you know, that's one set of rules that they break. But the other is, in 2009, when I wrote about Nancy Boy for the first time, uh, the phrase I used was an attitude that is euphemistically called very San Francisco. So I think it's funny that I kind of danced around it because in 2016, you know, I think we're all grown-ups and we can speak about this plainly, um, the content for Nancy Boy is really gay. I mean, it's not like a little gay, it's very gay. The name of their business is Nancy Boy. There, there's not a closet available here, right? Their tagline is tested on boyfriends, not animals. Um, it's pretty unambiguous. It's pretty out there. And of course, we know being gay, um, especially in a way that's this out, you know, that's this upfront and proud and, and you know, unapologetic and celebratory. For a lot of people in the United States, that's a whole lot more controversial than any kind of swearing, you know? They are alienating a lot of people. Um, and just in case you think that, you know, oh, no, not anymore. Now everybody's totally comfortable with gay people in the U.S. Um, I would invite you to look on Twitter and Facebook, and it will take you about five seconds to realize um, not so much. Not everybody's super comfortable with this idea. Now, the other thing that I found fascinating about Nancy Boy is that they're selling soap. And they are selling soap and, you know, shampoo and face cream and stuff like that in one of the highest real estate cities in the country. They have a retail store in a neighborhood. It's called Hayes Valley. It's very adorable, and it is very, very expensive. Um, their retail store, as far as I can tell, is still going strong. Their mail-order business is going strong. They have a million competitors. They still send their crazy emails, and their tribe is strong enough to support them because they're not for everyone, you know, because they're brave enough to be tall and proud and out as an antsy boy. You know, I can get really awesome smelling soap at Whole Foods, but I mail order soap from Nancy Boy and other things from them because I love them and I feel connected to them. So the writer I mentioned to you, Joanna Weeb, so smart. Um, she also wrote about this incident because, you know, at the time it was there was a lot of energy around it, this um, the mofo incident. She wrote about it on her blog, Copy Hackers. I almost said Copy Blogger. It's a, uh, a very good blog. It's a good post, and I will give you a link to that in the show notes, pinkhairedmarketer.fm. And here are some. I thought Joanna's um, conversation around this was very smart and very well-reasoned. So here's Joanna. recommend that you write for the 20 to 35% of your visitors that are the most likely to A, convert, and B, be happier for it. I recommend that because I've tested it and it works. It's not just an assumption I randomly pulled out of the air and tried once. It's not like I applied a go-narrow principle to my business and my business alone and found that it pretty much worked, so now I think everyone should do the same for similar results. Those are Joanna's words, and this points to the same thing that I'm saying with Nancy Boy. 
they're writing for their customers. They're not writing for the entire universe of people who use soap and shampoo and um, room spray. So in Nancy Boy's case, their customers start in their local neighborhood. And now, you know, many, many years on, they're made up of like-minded people from all over the U.S. And um, I have no idea if they ship internationally, but they have fans, you know, all over the all over the world. So here's another good quote from Joanna. Without question, you're taking a risk when you use that kind of language. You're also taking a risk when you absolutely avoid euphemisms and impolite words in your copy. And for me, that... Uh, you know, the way that she studied it really gets to the heart of the matter. Um, you are going to lose some people who might have been customers. They might have been good customers, but you also lose people. And to my mind, it's the greater risk when your content becomes bland, when it becomes ordinary, when there's no spark, there's no life. And the people who really truly belong there don't get that sense of belonging because it could just be written for anybody. You know, it's the kind of kind of advertising we see on television, right? For the mass market, that's um, very very carefully vetted to make sure that nobody, you know, gets any angry emails or angry phone calls about it. That's risky, and it's especially risky when you have a business like my business or your business, where we have to really resonate with our core audience. You know, we don't have hundreds of millions of dollars to run advertising on television, to run advertising in all the major outlets and pick up awareness and and get the word out about our products or our services that way. We have to become remarkable with the people who are the best fit for us. So the message here is not, yes, everybody go out and put some swear words on your blog content. And I want to be super clear. I don't think that Bob Bly was wrong to be offended. Um, in fact, I, you know, a lot of people, they ganged up on him just a little bit in the comments. And I wasn't thrilled with that because um, they felt like they were standing up for copy blogger and standing up for Joanna. But, um, I, you know, I, I didn't feel like that was that was needed. So the message as I see it is this. You don't get to decide what's relevant or appropriate if you are doing content marketing. Now, of course, if you're writing poetry or you're writing fiction, you are writing personal expression, then you get to decide what's relevant or appropriate and we're done with the conversation. As soon as your content needs to serve a persuasive purpose and needs to build an audience for a business or a product or uh, even something like a political cause or a you know, a change uh, to persuade people to behave differently in some way. As soon as that enters the equation, then it's your audience's job to decide what's relevant and it's your audience's job to decide what's relevant. So the reason that the term mofo wasn't controversial for us is because our readers, a copy blogger, um, just don't really have a problem with it. Um, the great, great, great majority far more than 99 out of 100 just didn't see it as um, anything that was that was bothering them. Now, I probably did bother some people, and that's kind of what happens when we live in a culture like we're living in today all over the world where the standards, you know, he mentioned standards of discourse, and I think that's an important point. Our standards of how we behave in public and the kinds of things that are okay to say or not are really changing. 
they're changing very, very quickly. And anytime you have that, you're going to have people who are very bothered, you know, on, on sort of both sides of, of any particular word that you might care to name that's controversial. So as it happens, we actually don't swear on CopyBlogger. We, we swear very rarely, uh, precisely because we do have a big audience. And um, for something that's a little stronger than, you know, that particular euphemism, you know, yeah, we have people who um, then appreciate it. And, and it's not what they come to the blog for. And that's, that's an important part of our audience. And that's, that's just totally fine. But there does come a time once in a while when there are certain words, certain powerful words that feel like they're important to make the point. And if we feel like it's important, we'll go ahead and, you know, fire it off. Um, I'm actually not a big fan of euphemism. My biggest issue with the word mofo is that um, as a writer, I was taught very early on um, to avoid euphemisms. And so I, I, you know, I try not to I try to kind of not use them. I don't use a lot of things like friggin' or flippin', things like that, unless it's done ironically. Uh, anyone who's ever heard me give a live talk can attest to the fact that um, I don't really have a problem with swearing, but um, I, I try and use it for impact and not just, you know, um, like salting my food, right? Not just like throwing it on there just because. If I had to make an overall recommendation... Swearing just for the sake of swearing, a lot of times just isn't that interesting, you know, um, because precisely because the power of profanity comes from how we hold it back. When we hold it back, we create tension. And when we release it, we're releasing a lot of energy. So um, I think it's useful to hold it until you need the energy. But if your audience is an audience that swears a lot, some groups do, and that's really what feels right, then that's how you make your decision. You know, you make your decision according to kind of that shared space between you and your audience. And it is my recommendation that if your audience doesn't like it, I would recommend do not swear ever. Do not swear at all. It's really them who decides, not you. Now, of course, the audience shows up in response to who we are. So there's always a dance. There's always a dance, you know, and if swearing is just totally integral to who you are as a person, you're probably going to attract an audience that that feels great about that and feels connected to you and bonded to you because of that on that basis. It's kind of like I talk about at the beginning of every episode. I think that you are the best person to decide what you need to do to express what you need to express, what words you're going to choose to create a really true statement of your beliefs. You are the person who makes the decision, you know, in your content project, in your blogs, in your podcasts, in your business, whether it's a big business or whether it's a little side business. So I don't think I'm going to convince Bob Bly with this argument, and I'm totally okay with that. I respect him. I respect, um, I respect his concerns, and I respect his opinion. But from a business standpoint, as much as, you know, I think Bob is very, very smart about copywriting, the ones who are my true teachers in my content and my true compass and my content are you guys, you know, my listeners and my readers and my audience. So that's it. The great swearing controversy, my two cents on the matter. Uh, as always, I love it. It's very useful to this podcast and to me personally. Uh, if you are an iTunes listener, if you go leave a star rating or leave a review, big old hug to everybody who's already done that. It's so, so helpful. And I will talk to you guys next week. Take care, everybody.